So, Paul, how's it going? United win again away at Hull. A storming comeback or a bit of good fortune? Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to watch United win away. Hey! Two wins on the bounce for United. Yeah, a barnstorming classic Manchester United comeback against Hull. Uh, well, okay, perhaps not. But nice to recover from that omni shambles of defence and make some sort of progress up the league table. That's a lot of wins on the bounce now, right? Five wins in a row for United in all competitions. Yeah, it's really important. Didn't we say last week how important it is United have a good Christmas programme? I think with United playing teams below them in the table until we go to Tottenham, although uh, Tottenham, Tottenham may well be below us in the table now. It's uh, really important that United racked up the points and uh, hopefully Ed Woodward has a good window and brings us a couple of midfielders. Uh, that would be a Christmas miracle. As for the pitch... What did we have? We had a, a very, very fine United victory over Hull, but first victory over West Ham at Old Trafford. And uh, in truth, a much better performance from United against West Ham than against Hull, I think. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty good all round. A very nice attacking display. Passed the ball really well, and we haven't said that very often this season about United against West Ham. In truth, West Ham allowed United time on the ball it wasn't a typical Sam Allardyce team performance I don't think and you know, lots and lots of positives all round except for that uh, dreadful piece of defending for the goal that West Ham scored yeah uh, when Alex Butner came on and the West Ham fans started singing we're going to win 4-3 uh, and it looked like it might happen for uh, just a minute there I don't think a man has ever played another man onside more effectively than that have they uh, yeah, not on the same wavelength as the rest of his teammates, or humanity, I think, in Alex Butner's case. I mean, omni-shambles was the word you used a little bit earlier. Uh, that describes Butner's defending on any day, but especially against West Ham. But yeah, let's talk about the positives about that performance, because, I mean, apart from the Leverkusen game, or games, that was perhaps United's most effective display under Moyes. And you said, I think, during that game, well, we clearly know what the answer is here. We just have to make sure United play against only abject teams for the rest of the season because a lot of our wins have come because the other team has played so poorly but I think we also made West Ham look quite bad in that game and you know I was in Christmas heaven because Danny Welbeck scored and then him and Adnan linked up for, for Adnan's goal and that was absolutely spectacular and Ashley Young getting in the on the action two in two it was at that point for Youngy, and a, another absolute blinder of a goal couldn't have hit that much better well, quite, yeah. So, look, I think the key to United's performance against West Ham was passing the ball. I mean, it was amazing. They actually managed to put together some kind of rhythm in the passing, actually attempting to keep the ball. I mean, you know, I know I know, I keep going on about this, but it is relevant because we'll come on to the whole game where the back two lumped it forward repeatedly. And that didn't happen against West Ham. And that was important. United had nearly 90% success rate in the passing and we managed to keep the possession as a result. Over 60% possession created loads of chances 21 chances lots of shots on target so you know these things do flow together United played well kept the ball uh, moved West Ham around West Ham should could have pressed United in the centre of midfield didn't I think moving to a 4-3-3 has helped United or 4-5-1 I suppose you know Rooney is he's definitely playing effectively in midfield at the moment and all round, just a much, much, much more positive performance from United. I think you're right, uh, up with the Leverkusen performances. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and we should talk about Adnan's performance, I guess, because it attracted lots of different sorts of headlines. He did a bad dive. He definitely did do a bad dive. No question about that. Not for the penalty, when he was just fouled and that was a penalty and it was ignored. And partly maybe because he went down a little theatrically and he's already got a bit of a problem with reputation. But he was also absolutely kicked all over the park in that game 
But the the one in the the one that everyone's talked about, the one he got booked for, was a proper kind of, you know, pirouette, two-footed, leap, ballet dancer-esque. Gary Neville sort of defending him, saying he was anticipating a challenge that was coming, but he just wasn't. He just bought the foul, because you can get out of the way of a challenge that never comes without kind of swan diving onto the floor and looking pained, can't you? Right, yeah. It's it's becoming a little bit embarrassing and, and, you know, it's only fair that after the criticism that has been levelled at Ashley Young that the same criticism is levelled at Yanazai, you know? He doesn't need to dive, even if he's getting fouled a lot. And, And he has done that. Uh, several times you're right to say he was just fouled for the penalty but maybe his reputation is preceding him and and this is not a good thing if that's the case uh, is it because United are going to not get a penalty in a really big game and it's going to cost them or maybe Yanazai will get a bit better at the art and uh, and buy a few penalties like uh, Ashley Young who said not that long ago that it's the refs what give them your honour not me which was uh, the most ridiculous defence I've ever heard for diving but uh, there you go so not good from Yanazai but he is the most fouled player in the Premier League on a fouls per minute ratio by some distance and it's because he close control is so good and he's got this great balance so he he drags uh, he, you know drags players into a foul doesn't he but he, he just doesn't need to dive as a result you know he's going to get the free kick anyway yeah and and it's potentially actually quite dangerous because because he is getting kicked all over the park he needs referees to be on his side because otherwise defenders will take liberties with him you know and that's really a problem I mean, you could see it in the game against Hull, that the referee was just not on Yanazai's side. Potentially, you could say that's quite poor refereeing or whatever, but it is something that he can also have a bit of a look at himself, and I'm sure Moyes will be uh, harsh on him uh, in that regard. And I wonder as well if the fact that he didn't start against Hull uh, was partly to do with that dive and a bit of a slight disciplinary action there, although it could just be simple rotation, of course. Yeah, it could be. I mean, the thing is, when you, when you play a team with three at the back, like Hull play, you want some players hugging the touchline, don't you? And what United actually missed in some of the game against Hull is the quarterback to, to find those players. So I, I wasn't that surprised to see Yanazar on the bench. Maybe it was something to do with the diving and a, a word in his ear. Maybe it was also a couple of very direct players like uh, Young and Valencia was, was right for the occasion too. That's the bad uh, of Yanazai. Uh, I think he needs to cut that out. Hopefully it will come with uh, some maturity. The good was an absolutely storming goal. I mean, the maturity of the player and the composure of the player at 18 to fake one way, cut inside and then finish uh, in the manner that he did was storming, wasn't it? Just absolutely spectacular. And he looks every inch a world beater and he's only just getting started. And, you know, anyone that looks at that player and thinks, oh yeah, this will be a flash in the pan. I just think that's crazy talk I think he just he looks pure class and it's funny you can see the way the fans react to him and all right it's a, it's a very kind of catchy singable song but it's also got to do with the player right that the fact that his name has been sung over and over and over again in his first few games at the club it, it's it's pretty impressive and it is because he's just electric he's electric in the whole game he changed everything when he came on you know I hate to see Raphael get injured because I do think he's one of our more important players but that injury and then the subsequent substitution was what changed that game, you know, because he just made Hull have to think on a completely different level. And his interplay with Welbeck in the the West Ham game, it was just stunning. The little flicks and tricks and passes back and forth and brilliant to see Danny score again, keeping up that run that he's on and just playing with so much confidence and quality, you know, wonderful. 
Yeah, I mean, Welbeck had a good game against West Ham, a good goal. I mean, you've got to say the keeper's made a bit of a mistake there. It's, it's very, very close to him. You'd be disappointed, I think, if you're a keeper not to save that one. But scoring goals, isn't he, Welbeck? And it's really important. We said the difference between Welbeck and being a great striker is those goals. If he gets 20 a season, there aren't going to be any doubts about his quality. You know, look, he's got everything there. He can he can hold the ball up, he can run into channels, his first touch is very good. Lots of awareness of players around him can't finish for Toffee. So this is the thing that's going to make a difference in his career. Very interesting, I think, comments from David Moyes this week where he said about Daniel Welbeck that he needs to stay behind at training and practice. A little bit complacent, the reaction from Welbeck who says, I do enough training. And uh, I, I was a little disappointed with that, actually, because I'd like to have seen Welbeck say, you know, right, what, I'm going to listen to my manager. I, I will be practicing for an extra 15, 30 minutes after every training session. Well, frankly, I was more disappointed with Moyes after Welbeck, a player relatively short on confidence, finally building up some confidence. And Moyes says he has to act more like Wayne Rooney. Yeah, that well-known, professional, hard-working, disciplined footballer Wayne Rooney. Just a joke from Moyes. And Welbeck was right to say he did enough training. Moyes says, oh, you should stay behind after training to extra 15 minutes. And funny, funny enough, uh, Welbeck couldn't get through the game because he picked up a little niggle because Moyes had been running him too hard like he has with everyone else <laughs> in the side. I'm, I'm team team Danny on this one, this man. Is, this is a different story. Look, if it was player X, not Danny Welbeck, I think you might have a slightly different opinion. Look, I'm not actually praising Moyes for doing this in public. I'm saying if the debate is going to be in public, I'm on the side of... If he's got a failing in his game, he needs to go practice, right? You know, there's plenty of players who've made a career for themselves that have not been brilliant. And plenty of players at United who've done that. Danny Welbeck has the opportunity to be a brilliant player. He doesn't score enough goals, you know? It's a major problem for him. And because of that, he's going to be played out of position a lot. So if practice is the thing that's going to make him a better striker, then he needs to go do that. The flip side of that argument is that he's played five times in his preferred position in the last five games and scored four goals so he is currently scoring enough goals yeah that's the best answer possible isn't it you know as long as he keeps doing that history tells us he won't but you know hey maybe uh, maybe history's changed maybe this is danny's year <laughs> no question about that a really fun game that west ham game really enjoyable and it was nice to see ashley young score because i don't want anyone to think that i'm some massive advocate of ashley young is brilliant or anything but i do think he is better than he that's has that's not been. what you tell me in private paul <laughs> yeah it's every like yeah, you, your little <laughs> ashley young shrine that you've got ashleyyoung.tumblr.com ah tumblr very appropriate he's better than he's been showing that's my only point about Ashley Young and he's had a couple of decent games on the bounce when he switched over to the right uh, in the Hull game he he put in two really good crosses in a row and of course uh, scored a couple of crackers in the two previous games to that so he did yeah this is the frustrating thing Ashley Young's pattern dips the shoulder cuts inside over hits the cross right next time round dips the shoulder cuts inside under hits the cross you know next time round overhits it repeat 10 times smashes one in from 45 yards right so the actual quality of the delivery from Ashley Young is horrendous and yes he put in two decent crosses from the right he actually looked much better from the right against Hull didn't he you know actually began to look like a threat rather than someone who's just going to give the ball away and one of them created a goal one of them was also a good cross you know so there you go I I don't think Ashley Young will be anything other than pretty average but you know he delivers sometimes and a goal against Stone and a cracking goal against West Ham was him delivering and he didn't have a bad game against Hull. I mean, I was having a little bit of fun by suggesting he'd put in 150-odd crosses and they'd all failed, bar one. You know, sometimes, United fans, you don't have much humour, got to say. (laughs) There's a little bit of that, isn't there? 
the thing about the game against West Ham and you, you were mentioning that the passing was really effective it looked to be a really functional formation and system Evans and Smalling had an excellent game uh, unlike against Hull when they had a somewhat problematic game uh, but they had a brilliant game against West Ham a midfield of Cleverly Jones and Rooney actually really looked effective and Valencia had another decent game uh, uh, Raphael adds so much to Valencia's game because you know we all know that Valencia's stops and knocks it out to the overlapping fullback and if that's someone that can actually play a ball that, that makes a huge difference doesn't it uh, and Yanazai on the left wonderful so you know really just a very effective functional tactical system and it relies on Rooney not demanding to be number nine and or ten right he, he played at number eight didn't he and it definitely worked He's done that for a few games in a row. Definitely played there against West Ham. Definitely played there against Hull. You know, he's basically playing in midfield at the moment. And it's been an important adjustment for United because of that area in central midfield, which is so weak. And it's helped players like Cleverly. I mean, Cleverly actually had a decent game against Hull. He, He got on the ball a fair amount and sentimentality can take over here. Fletcher, I don't think, had a great game. But what do you expect? He hasn't started a game for a year. So, you know, no criticism really intended there. But Rooney's been really crucial, I think, to this little period. You know, he's played very deep. Um, Welbeck playing up front is scoring some goals and, and Rooney's knitting things together and giving United's midfield a bit more balance than it's had for some time. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting because it, it's a system born out of necessity, right? It's a system born out of uh, too many injuries to enable him to feel he can play a two in midfield and no vampire. Percy so I remember saying on the podcast 12 months ago or maybe even a bit longer than that that if we're going to actually play a 4-5-1 out of all of our strikers the one that I would have up there is Welbeck and that is because of the overall contribution he makes he's so good at leading the line you know he's really good at playing up there on his own but apart from in the last few games there is this problem of goals which is a significant problem Rooney, of course, uh, has been playing well and definitely worthy of praise, but my goodness, Moyes will praise Rooney when he's not worthy of praise. When he is worthy of praise, Moyes will say this, listen, right, okay. Do you know what I see more than anything in Rooney? I see leadership. I see someone who wants to take responsibility for the team. Rooney is not a boy anymore. He's one of the senior men. He's actually on the verge of being one of the great legends at the club. In the dressing room now, Rooney is one of those who is beginning to call the shots. I don't think I could hear a more terrifying paragraph from the Manchester United manager than that. One of the great legends, Ed. Bobby Charlton, Duncan Edwards, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes and Wayne Rooney. What do they all have in common? They didn't put any transfer... Oh no, wait, they did put some transfer requests in. Oh dear. He's done his job, Moise, right? He, he was uh, an obsequious brown noser and uh, managed to polish up Rooney's ego to the point where Rooney's actually playing for you now, you know? I've said I don't think Rooney will be the player that we once thought he would be, but he's putting in some very effective performances for United and getting the numbers, and he's a very important part of the team right now. Very important part of the team, and I think a lot of that's down to Moyes getting him fit. The hard running has done some players some good and Moyes getting Rooney happy, you know. So uh, I think that's over the top from Moyes. I don't think it's necessary. He's got now 150 league goals for United. That was at 208 in all competitions for the club. He may well, if he signs a new contract, become the highest goal scorer ever in the history of Manchester United. I have to say, I think there are other qualities that go into being legend status. It's very subjective. Totally very, very subjective. You know, great player, great numbers, great attitude. Leadership is about taking responsibility. Moise is right about that. Responsibility is not chucking in a transfer request when it's not going your way. 
No, absolutely. And I'm not sure his general behaviour warrants the title of leadership. I think last season he was fundamentally ill-disciplined. You know, he was not looking after his professional responsibilities he allowed himself to be unfit you know none of this is good thanks to at tushar mufc for sending a nice snapshot of that quote and asking us to have a a chat about it on the podcast i I mean the thing about him calling the shots in the dressing room is you know i mean he's a senior player at united and he's one of the best players at united um maybe even the best so it's obvious that he would have a responsibility in the dressing room in that regard and i suppose in a way it might just be time to let the frustration of more Noises obsequiousness pass and and just embrace the reality of the situation which is that Rooney is vitally important to United Moyes is doing everything he can to keep him at the club and it does look like as you say he's done his job in that regard well yes but we'll see right we'll see that's fine and you can judge Rooney on his merits right now and we can you know aside from the odd quip which is necessary on a program of this nature it's fine to forget the transfer request the multiple transfer requests and the attempts to join Manchester City and then Chelsea. We can forget that, of course. You know, we don't need to bring this up again, the fact that he was desperate to join two of United's biggest rivals. But when you talk about legendary status, you are asking for a retrospective. Yes, right? you and are. And I'm afraid that mixes him from that <laughs> list for me. Others will have a different opinion. Anyway, look, we're talking about midfielders. Uh, one uh, Curiosity, of course. Ravel Morrison back at Old Trafford in that West Ham game. Nice to see him uh, on the pitch and actually playing for a a Premier League team. And he didn't have a great game. You know, in truth, he was actually very deep. He's most effective, you know, in and around the strikers, isn't he? You know, in that kind of number 10 position. And it's a shame. In in many ways, I'd like to have seen him had a very good game. He's had some very good games for West Ham this season. He's been one of their better players in what is a pretty disappointing campaign for the Hammers. Um, and, And I just thought there was a... It just came to me that I thought there was a contrast between the new star at United yeah, in Adnan Yanazai and, and maybe Ravel was the last player we got so excited about as an 18-year-old. And it didn't work out for him at United for all the reasons we've spoken about before, but it seems to be working out for him at West Ham. Yeah, it's lovely. I mean, it was lovely. it's lovely that that's happening. And also it was lovely that Welbeck and Yanazai were scoring the goals. So it was like, you know, our young players that have stayed at United were the ones making the headlines. I think Scott from the Republic of Mancunia said something along those lines that it was uh, it's nice to see those players making the headlines, not, not Morrison. But it is also wonderful that he's making a career. And I, I think, you know, everybody knows that he's a he's a big old red, isn't he, Ravel? And maybe one day it would be nice to see him back. But there's all sorts of problems with him coming back to Manchester. So, you know, it, it's good that he's clearly got his head down and he's clearly working hard because Allardyce is not just going to keep him in the side if he's not, is he? Well, no, he's, he's in the side on merit. And um, Allardyce said earlier this week that he didn't think he was a first team player and that's why they sent him away to Birmingham and somehow Birmingham and Lee Clark the manager there have managed to turn the guy around and he's matured in that spell uh, away from West Ham and he's come back and forced his way into the West Ham team had a very good pre-season and has had a pretty good campaign ever since you know scored a few goals made a few goals scored that blinder at Tottenham uh, he's got the talent the way he moves across the pitch is as classy as ever isn't it you know it's, he, he just seems to glide uh, he's, he's so easy on the ball and, and I think as he grows he's going to be more of an influence you know he did, did definitely didn't have a good game at Old Trafford and I'm sure there'll be others yeah absolutely so on to Hull then and the first 10 minutes of that were <laughs> the worst kind of like like the kind of Christmas where the family's at each other's throats and everyone's shouting and all the roast potatoes are burned and the sprouts are overcooked it was really like just everything that could go wrong went wrong 
The first goal, not not a corner, but you could see why the linesman was confused by that because it's hard to imagine that the winger would have actually kicked the ball in that direction. And then like Rooney lost his man pretty poor, but you know, it's one of those things. But the second goal, I mean, I love Johnny Evans and this is not this does not change anything that I think about him, but that's the mistake that you say he's always got in him, right? <laughs> Well, that's it. He, he keeps making those mistakes that he's always got in him, and uh, that's that's what keeps Evans away from being a really top defender. That was two mistakes in one. It was unbelievable. A horrendous attempted clearance, and then a shank into his own net on the corner. I, I don't think that's acceptable. I don't think we can brush that off as uh, the linesman wouldn't have believed that the uh, the the attacker could have shanked it like that because he couldn't have seen that. He couldn't have seen the ball come off the United player because it wasn't anywhere near the United player he's just guessed and that's really poor assistant refereeing isn't it so United cheated on that one by some terrible officials but after that the defending just horrendous Smalling and Rooney losing their man and that is Smalling's man because he's playing on the right side of a zonal system there Uh, and then Johnny Evans with a hack away and then the um, smash into his own net or it wasn't even smash really more of a dribble very very poor all round uh, for both goals I think yeah woeful and at that point you had the fear well I had the fear certainly but then it all sort of turned round and it was not a barnstorming 3-2 comeback partly because we got back to 2 all so very very quickly but still I mean really that's the first is that the first time Moises it's certainly the first time he's come back from 2-0 and uh, that's that's you know something we want in the DNA of Manchester United funnily enough Sir Alex Ferguson uh, not a million miles away from sat right in the dugout I mean he was what two seats away from the United coaching staff wearing a big United coat uh, it was a bit dodgy that was <laughs> it, it was a little bit you know what he's been coming to more and more games and getting lower and lower down in the stadium right it's a pattern he wasn't there at first then he was right at the back in a in a box somewhere then he moved a couple of rows down yeah and he was in a suit now he's putting on the tracky suit and he's, he's just behind the dugout next time he's doing a john terry right he's going to be in the technical area pointing with Moyes, the actual manager interesting this one isn't it do you think he hasn't quite let go uh maybe possibly he hasn't quite let go there's a funny moment when he collected his award at the sports personality of the year where he went I've been busy. Don't think I'm not doing anything in retirement. It's like, Alex, no, nobody said anything. You just got really super defensive when nobody was attacking you at all. Like, he's understandably finding, I'm sure, finding the adjustment a little bit challenging. Well, he said he wanted to, you know, tour the cities of the world, go some great sporting and cultural events. I don't know how he's managing to do that with uh, being at two games a week with United. Well, he's been to loads of cities. He's been to Hull. He's going to go to Norwich next week, see the cathedral, catch a game. Um, Yeah, bless him. It was good. It is Moyes' team, and it was good to see that Moyes' team has the capacity to come back as well. Uh, very attacking substitutions. I mean, at 2-0 down and Raphael got injured, it was pretty bold to put Valencia at right back and play Adnan. I mean, but you say that Johnny Evans has got a mistake in him. That's not every single game. Valencia is pretty much a goal a game at right back. We were, we were lucky to get away with him not conceding his standard one in that game. He did manage to get himself foolishly sent off, though, right at the end. He really did look... I mean, the frustration I had with that game was, apart from United's defending, was the fact that Evans and Smalling lumped it long all the time. Seven long balls from Smalling, aimless, just punted into the channel. And he's got them playing quite wide, uh, David Moyes, so pushes the fullbacks up and uh, the two central defenders split when United have the ball and attacking. And then they just thump it long. It's a waste. It's a total total and utter waste and and United did that for about the first 45 minutes at least and and then it got better 
I think Yanazai really helps because the realisation is you can't just bang it long to him. He doesn't play in a natural winger's position. You know, I think if you look at the heat map of Yanazai's performance, it's going to be very central. He was almost an auxiliary striker for the time he was on the pitch. And I, I think it really does help because they have to play it into his feet. They have to play it through midfield. But for a lot of the time, Smalling in particular, hoof, and it's not becoming of a Manchester United player, that really. Still, there was some good stuff from United attacking-wise. Absolutely blinding goal from Rooney after a bit of a miscontrol from your man Welbs. No, the defender swings his leg round well back and catches the ball. That's what takes it into Rooney's path. Oh dear, oh dear. (laughs) <laughs> it's true, it's what happened. I'm not being overly defensive of Danny. That is literally what if happened. If I said da- Danny Welbeck was black, you'd tell me he was white, you know? <laughs> no, he's definitely, he's definitely black. black. Uh, and uh, <laughs> anyway, fine, fine finish from Rooney. It reminded me of uh, that goal against Newcastle many moons ago. Uh, not as good as that goal against Newcastle because the ball was coming out of the air, then here a little touch and then a thump into the back of the net. Yeah, wonderful. The reason that I know that Danny didn't uh, miscontrol it is because I was trying to claim credit for the layoff for the goal. <laughs> like that's Danny, like a brilliant assist from Welbeck there. <laughs> I, was, I was joking, obviously. But no, it wasn't even an assist from Welbeck. But yeah, wonderful strike from Rooney. Vintage Rooney, that, wasn't it? You don't see it all that often. Uh, so it was, it was brilliant to see and very timely as well. And then another red with the winner. This time an ex-red, James Chester, scoring at both ends. And he went pretty red after that. A, a really unfortunate own goal. Well, not unfortunate. It was a thumping header. What, <laughs> yeah. what, what I don't get is what's he trying to do there? He, he wasn't trying to head it over his own bar, was he? He was under some pressure from Rooney, who was climbing all over him. Yes. Bizarre header. But fine finish from the lad here. Agent Chester. Nice, nice stuff. There's a few X-rays in, in and around the whole team. McShane didn't play today. Corey Evans was at Hull, went on to Blackburn earlier this season. Chester couple others as well who've slipped my mind in any case and obviously steve bruce the world's ugliest man <laughs> oh i love him though i really love him he does also give the best post-match interviews of any manager in the league he's genuinely a funny funny man steve bruce and steve bruce football hipster he doesn't take himself too seriously either right that's the i, I, I don't know i like steve bruce a lot when you look like that you can't oh <laughs> so mean it's like something out of star wars isn't he you know in jabba the hut's lair and just that someone's bashed his face in with a pole as well but the thing is he bashed his own face in in the pursuit of trophies for Manchester United so you know let's cut him some slack fell out the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down <laughs> he just hit the back of loads of strikers heads with fantastic headers and Alex Bruce headbutt in the post trying to make his nose more like his dad's in that game that's right yeah we won though and I, I didn't think we were gonna and that was really nice and it, it was a problem I want to just touch on Smalling briefly because it's not really the player's fault right presumably he's not doing that because he wants to do that he's doing that because that's the game he's been told to play right that's not Smalling's natural game by any stretch of the imagination he's really tidy on the ball well, he's tidy and safe. I mean, I wouldn't say he's the most graceful in possession for United. You know, Evan's much better. Look, some of this is, is Smalling's limitation. He's just not got the imagination sometimes to not do that. But you've got to wonder whether it is a tactic. United are trying to get the ball into the, the right-hand channel very quickly. It's not a tactic I would like to see being United's default tactic by any means. But I think there's something interesting about the fact it's done as part of an overall tactical flexibility, right? I mean... It's not like we do that every game. The game just before, we had 90% pass completion, really short, tidy, effective passing. And I'm sure Moyes was worried that Fletcher in midfield, because it's lovely to see him back and all, and kind of a miracle to see him back, but not back out of choice, back out of desperation. Really limited options, Jones injured, Fellaini injured, Carrick injured, although he did come back on. Talking of miracles, Moyes 
in between the two games saying, you know, this is the time of year when miracles happen. No, he said miracles always happen at this time of year. I'm like, do they? Do they really? In a way, it's just maybe it was horses for courses sort of thing. He felt that under under those circumstances, we actually kind of were best served by bypassing midfield and just hoofing it along to the big man on the right wing. Well, look, part of the reason when you play three at the back and, and two wing-backs, if the wing-backs are out of position or far forward, there's a gap in the channel. And, of course, United exploited that in the first half, particularly with uh, Valencia getting a lot on the ball. Hull changed tactics around the second half and tried to close that gap down. But I don't think that's actually naturally the way that you need to do it. You know, the answer when playing against that system is to switch from left to right and right to left quickly. It doesn't mean you have to go from back to front quickly. But anyway, look. I think it is a ploy. I think it's a waste. And I don't think it's how United should be playing. But that's just me. Obviously, I'm a bit soft or something because I think United should be playing nice, flowing, pretty attacking football. I think all those things can go together. And it doesn't mean just banging it long and it looking a bit aimless. Talking of United, being a United fan and thinking United should play a certain way. I've heard it on good authority, Ed, that you might not even actually be a United fan. Yeah, apparently that's what people keep telling me. You know, the humorless bugs that they are. Uh, the idea that saying negative things about a club that's behaving so abysmally in so many ways is somehow not being a fan of Man United is one of the most inane, paradoxical, nonsensical, rubbish ideas I can imagine. It's like, it's just mental. It's mental. But anyway, good luck to all concerned. Yeah, talking of a name. Yeah. Your opinions on at Michael Owen. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> and his boring, boring, boring socks. Today, beating all previous boring tweet records. I- I've tweeted some boring stuff in my time, but he said, frustrating that... <laughs> Hold on. Just give me two seconds. No, I'm never going to be able to find it in time. He said, essentially, frustrating that the front screen takes longer to de-ice than the back screen, even though only the front screen's the one you really need. I know. I know. I mean, it's almost like a parody <laughs> account. You know, if you, if you were going to set up a parody yeah. account of, of Michael Owen, it would be, put on two socks today, one with a lighter shade of grey than the other. Yeah, uh, it, it's... I might start that one up. I don't think you. Ne- I don't think laugh. you need to. That's the thing. It's like there is no need for a boring Michael Owen parody account because he runs it himself. I think he's doing it for a bet. Probably one of his sponsors. Yeah, who's always talking about. Ah, uh, yes, footballers and Twitter. Talking of another footballer on Twitter, Rio Ferdinand, not even in the matchday squad for Manchester United against Hull and not injured either. Yeah, being considered for retirement. Right, that's the the story going around today. I think that consideration has been fully considered and he's being retired, yeah. Also known as being uh, shot if you're a horse. Talking to Michael I think Rio should leave in January and go and play six months somewhere for fun, I think, because I think he's going to have a miserable time. I think that that last game, we said, I can't remember who it was against now, but I remember saying at the time that looked like the Gary Neville against West Brom moment to me and it looks like it really was. And Rio, not quite the same sort of personality and I'm sure he's still in pretty good physical nick and I'm sure he could do an excellent job for a lot of teams at a lot of different levels. But unless something dramatically changes, it doesn't look like Man United's going to be the place for him, does it? No, he's not going to get another contract. I wonder whether he'll like to play one more season before he actually retires. I mean, loads of talk in the past of him going out to the States. I suppose he could do that, or maybe he'll just concentrate on his media empire. Uh, Of course, lots of talk of Rio being the mole in the United dressing room and leaking out the team sheet to at Disco Mirror, who got banned for getting United's team sheet right consistently. 
be interesting if it was Rio, him being the media type. A few cruel suggestions on Twitter. I thought, what should be the punishment for Rio if it was him? Drop him from the team, ban him, out him, name and shame, change his squad number. That is the the unkindest cut of all. I have to say, uh, my football manager 2014, Man United save, I did change Rio Ferdinand's squad number pretty early on in my uh, game. And then I gave Adnan the number seven shirt, obviously. I'm too busy. I don't get to play football manager anymore, uh, which is a real shame. Yes, really good this year on a sort of vaguely unrelated but somewhat Christmassy note uh, yeah Football Manager 14 highly recommended uh, if you join in Christmas Paul did you get any nice Christmas presents uh, yeah I did from you mostly I, I'm sure that's not what you were leading into me talking about but yeah I, I got a nice against modern f- talk about me and how wonderful <laughs> I am Go I got on. a nice against modern football t-shirt from you and a lovely uh, Rosso Banco Nero hat which is quite good because it sort of doubled as a Santa Claus hat yesterday uh, but no yeah really nice thank you very much and uh, I got a board game and uh, that's about it but it was good to really really nice Christmas what about you Ed did you no not really uh, okay no. it's terrible fair enough awful miserable gets a lot of you yeah no no a few, few nice things including a, a programme from Sir Alex's last game which I shall cherish and, and wonder at Maybe, maybe I'll even frame it. Uh, talking of presents, by the way, we have got a present to give away to the lovely listeners of the Rantcast. Uh, Mark J. Payne, at Mark J. Payne on Twitter, is a columnist for ESPN and has published a collection of columns in a book called Fergie's Last Stand. And it's all his columns from uh, last season. And it's actually a really, really, really fantastic read. He was kind enough to send me a copy, and even though it's not that long ago, it still feels incredibly nostalgic uh, to read it, and and it has been a very transformational 12 months, and going back on looking on these columns uh, sort of uh, really highlights that fact. It's a lovely prose style that Mark's got, and it's a really easy read, and he's been very good about not cutting out the things that look crazy in hindsight. So yeah, uh, lovely, lovely stuff, and we, we've got one of those to give away. And I, I think basically the question for for winning that prize: uh, use the hashtag Rankcast and just tell us why you deserve that book. And the funniest stroke, most interesting, we'll get it. Uh, we've got to go UK delivery only, I'm afraid, uh, just because of the cost of delivering that abroad and Mark sending it himself. So yeah, uh, sorry about that, international listeners. We will definitely have a competition that international listeners are eligible for pretty soon. Okay, very good. Nice competition there. Best of luck to all of you that uh, enter. So, on to the coming week then, and and United are playing Norwich City on Sunday, I believe. This time of year, it's hard to remember what day it is, isn't it? But a quick turnaround and uh, away at Norwich. Yeah, I believe it's Saturday, just because somebody was talking about how it's... Yeah, it's in a couple of days' time, so yeah, Saturday. Wow, Saturday, Saturday. Really really quick turnaround of fixtures. Um, The 28th of December, we play against uh, Norwich. Uh, And that's at Norwich, so it's a a long travel for the Travelling Reds, but I'm sure there'll be lots of them and they'll be an excellent voice. I mean, United are pretty much decimated by injuries, assuming Raphael won't be fit. Valencia is out. Jones is out. There is a real problem in the centre of defence, and I wonder if we'll see the return of Nemanja Vidic in this one. Quite possible, yeah. I mean, he was on the bench, uh, so I, I guess he is fit uh, and raring to go. Um, maybe Vidic comes in, maybe Smalling goes to right back. Not always the best there, but Fabio, of course, was on the bench, fresh from shagging one of David Moyes' daughters. Not true, everyone. Not true. So he's an option two. I'm sure there'll be a shuffle around, you know, such a tight turnaround and, and there are so many injuries. Moyes has to use the whole squad. But look, Norwich pretty rubbish. United on a roll. You should be going there with plenty of confidence. I mean, yeah, I think we've got still got a lot of attacking talent available to us, haven't we? But I assume that Carrick might 
start given the nature of the injuries uh, around the place and it might be a bit too soon for him it could be I, I just think it's not going to be a breeze this game I mean it is a good job that it is only Norwich because they really are not very good but they're better at home than they are away I think and you know the extent to which our injury situation is at the moment I don't think there's any team in the league that would be completely untroubled by no, no, look, sure, um, Norwich's essential problem is they don't score any goals and they let too many in, <laughs> which is a bit of a problem when you're a football team. So uh, obviously Van Wolfswinkel out for a long time and, and wasn't scoring goals anyway. Leroy Fur, well, it wasn't uh, the best purchase, I don't think, and a lot of people are very surprised by that one. They're not playing particularly good football, look quite fragile, dragged into the relegation zone. So look, this has a, a United victory written all over it. Even with so many injuries, is it too soon for Carrick to come back? Well, we'll see. You know, it just depends how fit he really is. He's certainly back before many people thought he'd be back, right? So, is he being rushed back because we're desperate, or did he just heal nice and quickly? We'll find out if he if he plays and hobbles off injured again. We'll know the answer to that one, won't we? But uh, look, I think United should go there in real confidence. At the end of the whole game, United just five points out of the Champions League zone. Well, five points off the lead which is a major turnaround and and it's this is the reason why this Christmas period was so important for you you know getting the win now at Norwich leading into the New Year's Day clash with Tottenham which will be a challenging game of course it's really really important you know and then January is difficult really difficult because there are so many matches in there with the cup games as well uh, yeah absolutely so I think the lineup against Norwich is going to be De Gea Smalling Evans Vidic and Evra and then in midfield Carrick and Cleverley and Rooney and and then Yanazai and Young on either flank and Welbeck up front. That is my predicted lineup for that game, assuming there's no injuries in training between now and then and we don't hear about any post-match stuff. But I, I think that's going to be the lineup, and and I think it's going to be pretty similar against Tottenham. Tottenham in all sorts. I mean, we don't know what the scores are, the Boxing Day scores yet, because we're recording this while those games are going on. But they're in all sorts of disarray, taken over by Tim Sherwood in one of the oddest appointments I can remember in football ever. Really, goodness knows what's happening at Tottenham. Can't be much fun to be a Spurs fan at the moment. Yeah, well, look, the list of managers who have been appointed as Premier League manager with no experience beforehand of being a manager, the best of that list, by far, the most successful is Steve McLaren, right? So it tells you how difficult that job is for a brand new manager. I I think he's an interim. Uh, I know they gave him an 18-month contract, but that's out of respect for his position as a former Tottenham player and the fact that he's good, done some good job as a technical director, whatever that actually means, uh, at uh, at Spurs. He's a coach. I think he'll be given six months and then a big-name manager will come in in the summer. Yeah, I think you might be right. I mean, Tottenham have a lot of excellent players who are struggling to gel. This might all sound ridiculous because they might have bad whoever it is they're playing uh, right now. And, of course, they've got another game as well ahead of their game against us. And, you know, they won't want to come to Old Trafford, right? It's, it's all very well for us to talk about it being a difficult game, but it's a, a worse game for them than it is for us for sure um, that fixture and you know we do well against Tottenham right I mean l- last season we, we lost at Old Trafford to them in one of the sort of most interesting games of last season when yes when Rio Ferdinand got prison raped by Gareth Bale uh, that's not going to happen this time round for two reasons that neither of them will be playing it's a new start, you know, for Tottenham. Uh, Sherwood is you know, quite clearly going to play a much more basic team. He's not going to try any fancy tactics here. I mean, you saw 
that in his first match against West Ham in the League Cup, you know, put out a straight 4-4-2. No surprises anywhere there. And uh, it seems like that's going to be Tottenham from here till the end of the, the season. Maybe that'll work for them. You know, certainly the players hadn't adapted to AVB's you know, desire to have them playing with a very high line and a pressing game and a short passing game with two wide players and a, and the strikers very split. You know, he had a certain tactical methodology to what he wanted Tottenham to play. The players didn't do that. Uh, maybe they'll play a straight four four two and respond to that. You know, they sh- they should still whatever give United a, a decent game. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And before we do predictions, uh, I feel it would be remiss at this most wonderful specialist time of the year not to do a few questions from the fine people of Twitter. At Neil underscore Andrew says, "What would you have in your Boxing Day sandwich?" <laughs> I didn't have a sandwich today. I just ate more leftovers. I've eaten so many leftovers in the last 24 hours. It's been glorious. Uh, have you heard a Boxing Day sandwich? You're in you're in America, right? Right as we record this. Is it all weird being there at Christmas time? Is it all like, you know, I don't know, like in a movie or something? Have they left you home alone? Is your home currently being attacked by burglars and you have to defend yourself in increasingly madcap ways? <laughs> not, not quite. I, I am in the States, of course. Uh, here it's not Christmas. It is the uh, holiday season. Festive period. Not allowed to talk about Christmas. It winds up the Republicans. Something Rossen, that one. Quite amusing, really. But um, yes, I'm in Seattle at the moment on the West Coast and rather grey, uh, but uh, decently Christmassy. Lots and lots of lights everywhere. Uh, and my sandwich. Uh, haven't had a Boxing Day sandwich because actually we're doing Christmas dinner on Saturday. Okay, right. It's all very. It just works out like that. It's very confusing. <laughs> very confusing. All right, Marco Royce in January, 30 million buyout clause worth a punt, as oh, yes. Commander Chode. Yes, uh, um, I'm stroking myself just at the thought of that. Fair to say you're a fan of Marco Royce, isn't it, Ed? I think he's a very, very good player. Actually, look, my caveat on this one is, uh, aside from him being a very, very good player, he's going to be key to Germany's uh, World Cup chances, I think, because he, he's going to be one of the key attacking players. I just wonder how United would use him, given how Moyes has set up his team. You know, Rooney is undroppable, which means that Royce will play not in the team central midfield, he'll play on the left wing, which is sometimes where he plays at club level anyway. And uh, he can certainly do a very good job there. He's, he's a player who uh, can use both feet, uh, scores a lot of goals uh, but I just like him in a classic number 10 role I think he's a very very creative player he's able to play not just through the transition but in a more classic number 10 role just give him the ball and he'll play like a playmaker in any case uh, so look um, that, that's my only caveat I, I think if he was available United and, and United prepared to spend money he'd be a very good acquisition you know I'm, I'm not necessarily sure it's the first thing we need given that uh, there are a lot of attacking players at United he would certainly be an upgrade on some players in the squad though, to put it like that and, and he's been clearly Borussia's best player this season in what has been a pretty difficult season for them uh, we've tried to avoid this subject I think quite often but this is the last podcast before the January transfer window opens I have to say I quite deliberately don't pay attention to transfer rumours so I'm very poorly placed to discuss this but is there anything on the horizon that's realistic do you think we will be bringing in anyone that would be considered a major signing in January is anyone going to leave what are your thoughts on the transfer window in general Ed I'd be really surprised if Moyes let anyone leave. I mean, maybe Butner will go because he's the most disposable of, of United's players. So they, of course, had to leave United short of left-backs. So it really depends on whether United managed to get in another player there. I can't believe that it'll be Baines. Have to overpay too much there. Everton aren't interested in selling. So maybe they'll get a loan in uh, to cover for Butner, who may go permanently or on loan. Anderson, I suppose, is available. Uh, he can't get anywhere near the team at the moment. So it wouldn't exactly be a loss if he went. As for incoming, uh, the rumours about United's 
its upcoming bid for cocaine are very strong from numerous sources. It looks like it's going to happen. I, I would assume that United have done the deal if it is to happen with Atletico Madrid already and won't just be faxing through a blind offer. Maybe we've learned something from the last transfer market. I like Koke. He's been a, a very, very good player for Madrid this season. I mean, Madrid um, Atletico are a pretty robust side. You know, they're they're a little more functional than Real and, and Barcelona. And, and he's probably the key creative player in midfield uh, and he, he's quite comfortable in a midfield two as an attacking player or a midfield three as, an, as the attacking player you know he'd be a very good purchase very young player just made the Spain squad might go to the World Cup you know, it's not guaranteed but he's been pretty influential for Atletico this season so it'd perhaps be a surprise if he doesn't now he was in the under 21 squad which won the Euros for the Spain under 21 side uh, also in the Spain Olympic side a couple of years ago came third I think if I remember that correctly so he's a very very good player 30 million is probably too much for him but at this stage to get in an exciting young talent it doesn't really matter what the cost is does it if United really do have some money to spend uh, and there's a team out there prepared to sell which would seem a little unusual given Atletico chasing La Liga title then you know hey go for it I mean they're still in the Champions League they're really in the running for the league title for the first time in a good few years do you really think it's realistic that he'll come in January it seems unrealistic to me but the rumours are very 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 strong aren't they right okay Uh, anyone else then on the genuinely likely acquisition shopping list I, I don't think so I mean there's been talk of Guaran I, I think I spoke about him already I mean he's more of a functional sort of box to box type midfielder alright but I think that's short termism uh, if he comes uh, you know I don't think he's the answer to turning United from the current United into Premier League winners and European champions uh, if that's our goal I think he would be a decent squad player he'd certainly get more game time under Moyes because he's a Moyes type player than Anderson for example uh, OK and one question which will allow us to be nice about Wayne Rooney for a change at Ivar Raoun says uh, Rooney on 150 league goals for United which is his best and uh, I'm going to pick one that I witnessed with my own eyes because there's not too many of those 150 that I was fortunate enough to see in person but the goal against Newcastle all those years ago he scored some blinders, uh, including a couple of fantastic chips but um, the goal against Newcastle is is the best one for me I mean it's come so high in the air and to hit it so cleanly with that kind of power just an incredible strike I always say this when we talk about that goal but you turned to me at that moment and said he just hit that with pure anger I thought it was an extremely accurate description of that goal Uh, you say he's scored a couple of good chips but they have been erased by how many times he's tried to score a chip since and of course we can't talk about the great Rooney goals of all time without talking about the uh, overhead kick against City which was quite something that was quite something. He's still a fat scas bastard, though, isn't he? He put in two transfer requests. <laughs> yeah, boo. They were saying boo, knee. Well, it uh, might be a fine goal, but old pube heavy. Yeah, really is a bit of a git, isn't he? So mean, so mean. All right, then, let's do predictions. I predict you're going to say mean things about Wayne Rooney next week and that we're going to beat Norwich City 2-1 and beat Tottenham. No, draw with Tottenham, uh, one all. There you go, that's my predictions. I predict a riot of goals for Manchester United at Norwich. Uh, two 0 winners at Norwich. Uh, let's 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 be bold and say United will beat Spurs as well. I, I, I said it's really important this Christmas period. I think United players have got it. I think they're putting in the fight for Moyes. This is the key difference. I think right now. I know we're playing some crap, but they are fighting for. 
their manager for the first time this season. So I think a 3-2 victory against Tottenham uh, and will be in the running come the new year. And this this turnaround all started when Patrice Evra did that pre-match interview where he talked about United's winning mentality. It's interesting because Moises completely changed his language around Evra. He's like, he recognised Evra's role in the dressing room, I think, sometime around then. And they, they have flick to switch haven't they it hasn't always been super pretty but you know it hasn't been super pretty for years has it you know and that's that's a lot of wins on the bounce and if we can manage two wins in the next two games everything looks a lot different I think I think this is a run that you would expect to come to an end at some point and I would not be shocked if Tottenham was the point at which that comes to an end but here's hoping it doesn't and the Reds go marching on 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 well yeah look and, and the other thing about United playing a lot of average sides over this period is that a lot of the other top teams are playing each other Liverpool City uh, Arsenal just played Chelsea recently I think Liverpool and Arsenal play don't they so they all take points off each other and United are going to get back in it January and February is tough right there's a lot of games we play some key rivals uh, of course that's a, a double-sided coin that one isn't it you know, play key rivals and it's an opportunity actually to close the gap as well as for it to be widened I think there's a lot of positives right at the moment United can really seize this momentum uh, by being bold in the transfer market. It is needed. There are key gaps in the squad. There's a lot of dead wood in there. It's not easy in the in the middle of a season. Maybe it means United, if, if it's the right player, have to sign a player for a premium. Maybe they're already cup-tied in Europe. Uh, frankly, United are not going to win this European Cup. Uh, anyway, a lot, you know, a lot of teams that are better than United in Europe right now. So I don't think it would be a terrible, terrible mistake for United to go and spunk 30 million on a couple of midfielders. Uh, you know, uh, we'd all like to see that and it could really transform United's campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and here's hoping that happens. So we won't do another podcast in 2013. Thank you to everyone that's been with us through the year or joined us this year. It's been a real pleasure and we're going to keep doing this in 2014. Have a lovely New Year's Eve and wish you and your families and loved ones in general a really happy, healthy and peaceful 2014. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit jolly, isn't it? <laughs> so, Sod off, all of you. Now, Happy New Year. Uh, Have a great and prosperous 2014. Here's to many more United victories. Come on, you Reds. Come on, you Reds.